This is Connecting Dots from Fixed Cost Financial. Read the disclaimer in the show notes. Assume a conflict of interest with all companies discussed due to our extensive holdings. Let's begin. So one of the things that we've done now is laid down the well, the foundation for hydrogen. We've talked a little bit about our caveman, right? We talked a little bit about uh, Fred and Barney and Wilma and Betty and how Bam Bam and Pebbles are probably the ones that are actually going to wind up doing some of this stuff because, to be really blunt with you, a lot of us who are a little bit older are stuck in our ways. Oh, hell, most people my age are so damn stuck in their ways they can't get out of the can't get out of traffic. Oh. Sorry, but it is what it is. So it's going to require a lot of you folks who are a little bit younger to say, you know what, I'm just not going to take this anymore. But the thing you cannot do is you cannot do this from a stupid perspective that the government is going to do anything for you. And this is going to require you to stand up and say, no, we're not going to deal with the traditional ways of doing things. And the traditional way of doing things is inhibiting free speech. If you just imagine this, you have a thing in uh, this is called the Scottish Orkney Islands, if I pronounce that right. They've got the world's first seagoing ferries powered by hydrogen, and they're doing that to link the car and passenger ferries with the archipelago they have up there. So they're using tidal power to produce hydrogen. Wow. Rocket science, right? And it's a remote island. It's an experiment. It's backed by the European Marine Energy Center. Who the hell knows what that is? But give these guys credit for actually trying to do something that makes sense. Okay? So, once again, hydrogen is created by passing through an electrical current, through water, separating hydrogen and oxygen, leaving water as the only byproduct of the fuel cell process is in reverse so the hydrogen then can produce electricity. Rocket science, right? It's a game changer. You know it, I know it. If you've listened to this and you say, eh, he doesn't know what he's talking about, yeah, you're right, I don't. I'm not one of these guys who's going to go to work as an engineer for Nikola Motor. Not going to happen. It's not what I do. I'm not going to design the schematics for the next breakthrough in engine technology. Oh, me, oh, my. Those people are out there. They went to school. They're hardwired differently than men and women like me. What I do know is I'm able to connect the dots. I'm able to see the future, and I'm able to see what is happening in the near term as it applies to the long term. And fast refueling is a critical, important consideration. Take London's Metropolitan Police Service. You know, the Bobbies? Yeah. No, you know those guys, the guys that say they don't carry guns, but they carry guns. Okay, so they've got about 11 of the Toyotas that are using hydrogen. They've got these things fitted with hydrogen cells, and they're simply response vehicles, old-fashioned police vehicles, lights and everything else. They've got a range at about 480 kilometers, and rapid acceleration, they're pretty cool to drive. I mean, zip. Now, by 2020, that's next year, boys and girls, they want to have about 550 of these zero or ultra-low emission vehicles. Now, now think about this. Remember we talked about Anheuser-Busch? What happens when you start to have a government that actually says, you know what, let's use hydrogen vehicles because take, for example, a city or county that you don't have a lot of driving, but you got a lot of residents living in a concentrated area, but you need these vehicles, wouldn't that make sense? 
Again, remember what we've been talking about when it comes to all battery, all battery storage, the length of time it takes to recharge. And we're going to talk in a little bit about the Congo and what's going on there and why it's not exactly, oh, I would say a humane thing to do is to continue to build these nonstop batteries. Okay, so the first hydrogen power train in Germany. There's about a 100-kilometer stretch of track in northern Germany. And although it's costlier, when costlier, more costly, how's that? We'll just do that. And diesel engines, it is something you have to do to take that step. Okay, so what do they do? Well, if it's a highly congested area, the emission is water. We've talked about that before. Now, the train manufacturer is Alstrom, and they plan on having 14 new engines that are going to go to the lower Saxony state in about 2021. Now, interest in change from, again, traditional trains to hydrogen-based trains has been expressed a lot of interest by German states and internationally from other countries, the United Kingdom, Norway, Denmark, France, and Canada. What country's not there? The United States. Oh, no. Oh, no. CSX. Don't know. We'll be taking research and digging into whether CSX plans on implementing any hydrogen on their trains. But I suspect if you think about the Los Angeles and the Long Beach shipyards, how you need class eight tractors to move things around. Well, don't you need trains to move boxcars around and maybe hydrogen-based locomotives for yard work would make some sense? Let's take a look at, for example, in Japan. The world's first commercial hydrogen-powered fuel cell car was produced in Japan. Now, by 2020, that's next year, boys and girls, Olympics is coming to Japan. And what they're going to do is they're going to be hosting a lot of events focused on hydrogen. They're going to be promoting hydrogen gas as an emission-free energy source. And Tokyo authorities plan to increase from eight refueling stations to 35 by next year. So motorists ideally will never be more than 15 minutes away from a refueling point. Now that's a big deal. So when it comes to the vehicle that Toyota's making, it's 151 horsepower. Remember, we're using that horsepower thing again. And of course, it's powered by electricity generated by the hydrogen fuel cell. And this happens to be located under the front seats. Now, it's a sharp looking vehicle. And if you go to Toyota's website, well, it's not a cheap vehicle, but they give you three years worth of fuel on a complimentary basis. If you're in California, you can buy one of these things. It's worth $15,000. Not bad, right? They have a driving range estimated at 312 miles. Not bad. Length of time to refuel. Well, five minutes. Not bad. Emissions, zero. Eh, Not bad. So, One of the things I think that's important to always remember and never forget is that what we need to do is we need to find those types of technologies that focus on time, effort, and energy. I say this all the time, okay? Why would you go out and put together a portfolio and waste all the time, effort, and energy when we can do it better? Now, let's take a look at this. Let's talk a little bit about that pretty color called cobalt. Electric vehicles are no longer science fiction, right? We know them. They're out there. Dick Tracy and his smartwatch, Apple Watch. I mean, it's out there, right? But here's the thing that nobody's talking about, and it really burns me up. What exactly goes into the manufacturing of electric car batteries? See, 
What really irks me is the fact that you get all these politically correct, global warming, tree-hugging pinheads that don't understand the difference between fantasy world global warming, natural climate change, random cataclysmic events such as solar flares, earthquakes, volcanic eruptions, meteor strikes, and the difference between old-fashioned pollution. Okay? Now, there's only so much of some stuff here on the Earth. So to create a world of electric vehicles, we're going to need a boatload of batteries, okay? Lithium-ion battery packs, well, pretty popular, but they're made with rare earth materials like cobalt, lithium, nickel, and other materials. Now, cobalt is a, well, bluish-gray material found deep in the Earth's crust, and it's used to make everything from lithium-ion batteries that are used in mobile phones, computers, electric cars. 60% of it comes from the Republic of Congo. They call it the Democratic Republic of Congo, but this is a place that's known for, well, brutal human rights, if any. In child labor, it's damn disgusting. But the demand for cobalt has tripled in recent years. It's going to double again next year. Why? Because everybody wants batteries. Now think about it. Remember those blood diamonds? How about coal miners and all the deaths from black lungs? Oh yeah, we have situational ethics. But yet you get your avocado toast and the avocados require massive amounts of water and you got people in Mexico and Chile and other places where privatization of water and people can't drink. Oh. Can't survive. And in Mexico, the avocado, quote unquote, drug lords and the wars, the number of people are being killed. Just remember that every time you eat your avocado. Look, for every action, there's an opposite and equal reaction. And fortunately, sometimes there's a greater reaction. So yeah, eat your avocados, buy your Tesla, and screw over more people who are indigenous, not here, but over there, and they're taking it on the chin badly. But hydrogen and nuclear? Yeah, now that makes a lot more sense. You see, there's a growing demand for power. We know that. But the questionable mining practices, questionable my foot, the outrageous hogwash practices in the Dominican, in the, um, the, the Democratic Republic of Congo, it's, it's disgusting. Look it up. Oh, but Tesla says new battery production at their Gigafactory, they are committed to only buying from North America. But right now, they're still dependent on it. They're going to be dependent on it for quite a while. Look, scientists are working day and night. Again, smart people develop batteries that don't require cobalt at all. But there's a lot of water laying around this earth. But we can split it. We can crack it. And we can create uh, hydrogen. Yeah. Now, I'm being a little, oh, snarky. Because this really burns me up. Battery compositions. Okay, uh, using sodium, magnesium, uh, lithium, sulfur. There's a whole bunch of other things that are out there. There are some, you know, surprising alternatives, but you have to look at things like magnets. Where do magnets come from? And understanding the differences in powertrains between electric vehicles and conventional combustible engines. Okay, there's fewer moving parts in a electric powertrain than a traditional engine. But in reality, these magnets can be really kind of tough to replace. And there's basically four kinds of rare earth magnets. I'm not going to get into those. You can take a look at what they are. But the things that I want you to understand is that there's no such thing as perfectly clean energy. 
oh, wait a minute, maybe hydrogen might be one of those. No, there's always going to be a little bit of a byproduct for everything. I mean, it just is. But did you realize a few years ago, back in 2011, we had a mm, crisis over, oh, let's see, what was the crisis about? Cobalt. China. Uh, China cut its exports to the rest of the world. Why? They had a high demand there. And so we had a global fear of shortages for cobalt. In addition, rare earth magnet values shot up through the roof. Manufacturers of, for example, loudspeakers, okay, loudspeakers, and all electric motors, they had to requote their product line because the rise in the cost of magnets. So China, got to give those guys credit. They are pretty good at business. They want to dominate certain industries like wind, turbines, electric vehicles, high demand, and rare earth metals. Now, there's no guarantee that a world crisis won't occur again. We've got a trade dispute. And so where does, well, rare earth minerals come from? Currently, China manufactures 105,000 metric tons of rare earth minerals. That's right, 105,000 metric tons. Coming in second is Australia with 14,000. I got news for you. 105 is a hell of a lot bigger than 14. Then Russia at 3. India at 1.7. Brazil at 1.1. Thailand at 800. Vietnam 300. And Malaysia at 300 metric tons. Yeah. Mining rare earth elements was pretty toxic. It's expensive. And it's something that China dominates. Now, put that in your pipe and think about it. This is Paul Truesdell, and you are listening to Connecting Dots. Make sure to read the disclaimer in our show notes before each episode. Connecting Dots is for educational use only. Investment performance is not guaranteed. Past performance is not indicative of future results. This material does not take into account your particular investment objectives financial situation or needs. Nothing should be construed as an individual recommendation. Always read and all applicable information carefully before making an investment decision. Investments are not bank guaranteed, not FDIC insured, and may lose value. Due to our extensive holdings and that of our clients, you should assume that we have a position in all companies discussed and thus a conflict of interest should be assumed.